0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: We may live over 5,000 miles from Lincoln Financial Field. But what we lack in proximity, we make up for in film study. And each and every week, we will be bringing you in-depth breakdowns from across the pond and the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. And I'm joined by BGN's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow on Twitter at JohnnyPage9. Johnny, how are you doing this evening?
2: Very good question, Shane. Uh, I'm speaking to you off air. This has been a week. Uh, This has been a week for me personally. Work has been incredibly busy. So uh, apologies to the Twitter fans who were hoping for something this week, a little bit more detailed than what I've been able to get to. Um, I did get loads and loads and loads of feedback on the Hertz article, which was uh, wicked, um, which was nice. And I think that tail did really nicely with the podcast last week as well. But yeah, I haven't really got to anything this week. So Kellen Moore is going to be a weekend job. And I'm very much looking forward to that. So next week, we're going to talk Kellen Moore. And I haven't watched any of that film this week at all um luckily Fangio is something that we've both studied for a number of years so we could do it this week without any real great prep uh but yeah just so everyone's listening uh Shane is very much uh, in charge of this one uh I'm here I'm awake still um but it's been a week so I'm glad selfishly that Dick Fangio is in DC because it was a brand new scheme uh, we would not be recording this podcast this week um so yeah I'll let you do the introduction and stuff but essentially um it's, this is a relatively simple one I think a lot of people know a little bit about Fangio so we'll give some opinions and stuff but we'll go into a lot more detail uh post-draft I think we've spoken off air about doing like a real deep dive over the summer so this will be more of like a simple introduction to Fangio but I think it's quite important to talk about him because there's so much stuff online that I read that's interesting um I think it's probably worth putting our thoughts out there um because yeah I think it's quite cool selfishly I love it just because I know the system well, so it makes my life easier next year. Um, but there are reasons why I really enjoy the scheme as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I always like talking Fangio's defense, and I know that you know a lot about this as well. So I think it should be a good one.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into Fangio. I was excited to get into Kellen Moore uh, as well, but like Johnny said, that'll be next week. Um, I The Fangio system, and I go way back, for one of the dumbest reasons ever. And that's that I spent like a decade playing in an online Madden football league with like 32 other guys, 31 other guys. And like six years ago, Madden added match coverage rules into the game. And so I learned all the quarters defense rules and checks and palms and all that stuff. So I could run it in Madden and nobody else understood how it worked. And that's literally my introduction to quarters. And it, it's also the first time I actually started teaching football content to somebody. Cause there was a guy in the league that loved my defense. And I was like teaching him the rules for how it worked. And I made like a YouTube video that was unlisted to show him how it worked. And then I was like, I kind of like talking about football. So you know, one you could say the Fangio system combined with Madden sort of launched me onto the path that is where I am today. So I'm excited to talk about Fangio. Um, Like Johnny said, y- you can make, this as complex as you want and that's not our goal today our goal today we're we're going to talk about Fangio's history uh, we're going to talk about the tent poles of the Fangio system and some myths that are out there about his system uh, what kind of players are important for it we're going to break down the basics and I can't stress that enough the basics for a couple of his favorite coverages this is sort of Fangio 101 and, and we'll get into the graduate level stuff later this summer so Uh, First of all, I'll just run down Fangio's history, uh, courtesy of Wikipedia. So he started out in the NFL as a linebacker coach for uh, the New Orleans Saints from 1986 to 1994. So uh, you've heard things about linebackers that have played under him and how linebackers are important. His background was as a linebacker coach before he jumped to being a defensive coordinator for uh, he spent time in Carolina, in Indianapolis, in Houston. Uh, as defensive coordinators up till 2005. And then he was with Baltimore from 2006 to 2009, where he was a defensive assistant and, or a linebacker coach before he spent a year in college with his, uh, Stanford's defensive coordinator in 2010. So he's been a lot of places. Um, and then I put this out on Twitter earlier this week, but, uh, since 2010, uh, He has been in San Francisco, Chicago, and Denver, basically. And I put out the DVOA numbers, the EPA, and the success rate numbers for those defenses um, as far back as EPA and success rate go, which is 2012, at least the places that I was looking. Uh, And what sticks out to me in this chart, obviously, he did really well in San Francisco. Uh, He went to Chicago, was their defensive coordinator from 2015 to 2018, and he took over uh, a terrible defense. And they just steadily got better every year to the point in 2018 they ranked first in DVOA, first in EPA and third in success rate and he was able to parlay that into a Denver head coaching job that lasted 3 seasons. Uh did not go well. Uh he didn't last as a head coach, but his defense was never a disaster in Denver either. Uh and then, you know, famously he was a consultant with the Eagles in 2022 before becoming the Dolphins' DC in 2023. And so if you look at this since 2011, uh, he had a top five DVOA defense four times in 12 years. Uh, he was only in the bottom 12, two times. And it was those first two years in Chicago. He had a top five defense by EPA three times in 11 years. And he was top 10 by success rate four times in 11 years. Uh, He never had a disaster defense outside of those early years in Chicago Uh, when he took over, like I mentioned, a horrible defense and steadily improved it. So uh, if you look specifically at the Dolphins this year, the numbers don't look great. 19th in DVOA, 15th in EPA, 16th in success rate. But there's some really important context that lacks from those raw numbers. One is how tremendously banged up the defense was. Uh, Obviously they lost um, Jalen Ramsey in the preseason Uh, down the stretch. They lost a lot of guys. Also, there's a lot of learning that goes into the Fangio system. Uh, Something that the Dolphins didn't have. You cannot be more radically different in scheme going from Brian Flores to uh, Vic Fangio, just dramatic difference. And so I wouldn't expect the same learning curve in Philadelphia where they've been running Fangio principles for years, but Following the Dolphins bye week, which is from week eleven on, they were seventh in EPA per play and fourth in success rate. And that's losing Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Andrew Van Ginkle, Jerome Baker, Xavier Howard, and Javon Holland off of that defense. So uh overall, um, I I am excited about this hire. I, I was a little bit out on the Fangio scheme, but there's a difference in having like a Fangio disciple and having the man himself. Um This is not going to be the Jonathan Gannon defense. That's not what you're going to see next year. Uh, There'll be some similarities and some of the match coverage things are the same. But uh, personally, I'm really excited by Fangio coming to Philadelphia. I think it was a great hire. Uh, But I know there's a lot of people out there that were upset about that. So, uh, Johnny, what were your thoughts on Fangio coming in? Is this something you think people should be excited about?
2: Yeah, so before we get to the uh, the poles, as you as you'd love to put, uh, before we get to that, um, yeah, but no, there's a few things that stand out, actually. Firstly, the fact that he's never really stayed in any one place for too long, um, which I think is interesting. He's sort of, he's floated around a lot. I mean, he's got a lot of experience. I mean, it's funny when people talk about Fangio's defense as being like obsessed with explosive plays, wink, wink, Nick Sirianni, um, and Harry Roseman, but also like, you know, like giving up short runs. And you look at me like this guy played in or coached in the 80s and 90s, I mean, this guy has been a DC when there's been some serious running games around. This is not just like a modern coordinator that has grown up in the last three or four years and built a defense specifically for the modern day offenses. I think he's had basically success everywhere he goes. I think what's really interesting and yes, first of all, I am excited. Um, I don't think you can underestimate the fact they got the guy who created the system to teach the system. Like that's just basic, like the way humans teach and explaining. It's really hard to explain something if you're not the one who came up with it in the first place. Um, so Fangio is obviously going to make a massive difference having Fangio. There are areas of his defense that I think are worrying and we'll talk about that as well. Um, but I am incredibly excited because I, I love it. When, when Fangio's defense is run well and I was a weirdo who loved Jonathan Gannon, Um, And I know people were very unpopular because the Super Bowl was terrible. And I I get that. Like, he obviously didn't do very well uh, at the end, Jonathan Gannon. But people forget how much fun it was to watch that defense match uh, roots during the season. They were brilliant. Like, when it was really humming, when Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, uh, Chauncey Arthur-Johnson and um, Marcus Epps were, like, humming, that secondary was really good really good their courses uh coverage was exceptionally high level and i think you have to assume Fangio as a consultant played a big role in explaining to Gannon how to teach that as well so i think there are interesting things um i mean there's look before we get into the specifics and we are going to talk a little bit more specifics i think the thing about the Fangio defense that's really hard for people to sort of grasp is that it is so complicated and you have to have a different answer for every coverage and then you take into consideration that those answers will change on the fly because motion's a big issue in the NFL right now. And some of the best offensive minds are using a lot of motion. And you have to worry about the fact that players are lining up in different positions. And if you play the 49ers, for example, you've got, well, what if McCaffrey lines up here? and, and but, but basically, I think it's a really, really hard system to teach. And if I'm honest, I imagine one reason why he hasn't stayed somewhere for that long, because I imagine it's really hard to play as well. I'll be honest, if I'm a defensive lineman, it's, it's not my first scheme that I want to play in. Um, there are definitely other schemes I'd rather play as a linebacker, as a slot cornerback, as a safety, without a doubt. Um, if I'm a safety who's sort of more of a box safety, get me in the Seattle cover free defense from 10 years ago all day long and let me be Cam Chancellor, and just come down in the box and hit people. Like, nice. Um, I think it's quite a tricky defense to teach, and I think it will get better. And the Eagles are interesting because they've already been taught it for a couple of years now. But I do think you have to be sort of realistic that there will be flaws at times. There will be games when they just don't times when a, a linebacker is dropping into coverage and it infuriates people or a linebacker is covering a crossing route and it's because it's almost like zones of uh influence um i think it's just a really complex defense basically i mean when we get into the weeds of it in the summer we will really get into like the specifics of it but uh, but basically we're looking at it on a whiteboard and saying, oh well, this is easy because if x does this then he could, he's carried by the the two and if he goes vertical and we make it sound really simple um but it's really not and these things happen." on the flyer and I'm still going to go back to my most important point Shane, which I always talk about and I'm a huge believer I'm a massive scheme nerd but do not ignore the player's role players are everything like I don't care you get a Vic Fangio I don't care you get a bill better check I think you get the best offensive coordinator the world's ever seen if your players aren't very good in defense you're not gonna be very good like I don't think Matt Patricia was a very good coach I think Sean Desire had troubles but with the linebackers they had last year they were setting him up to uh dry anyway um players are what makes every scheme work like you can put on a whiteboard and you can say oh well we're going to run this version of tricks and we're going to be five over three and we're going to meg uh or uh, the outside cornerback and it's like that's all great if your outside cornerback doesn't win in one-on-one coverage then you can draw every fancy diagram on a whiteboard you want and the other team might just run go root a go route and throw every cornerback touchdown like football a funny sport where it's incredibly intricate but it's also incredibly basic and i do feel like that with fangio a little bit i think some of the comments are maybe expecting too much like improvement from the Eagles, and they're going to be better than they were under Patricia, obviously, because it's basically impossible to be worse. Um, but it's going to come down to personnel. There are issues with this team if they need to upgrade, and and I do think that's sort of like the the part that we're not talking about enough. Is forget who the coordinator is. You need good players to make any defense work. The Fangio defense is just like any other defense in that guess what, players are the things that make it work. Um, so yeah I just think it's interesting that there's been quite a lot of negativity and I think some people maybe don't understand it fully and they sort of think it's a very passive scheme which I'm, I'm not sure it is um, but I do understand some of the complaints and sort of like you I like the Fanjo system because I think it looks so pretty when it's done well is it my like personal favorite system like no like not necessarily I was a big Jim Schwartz guy um, but guess what Jim Schwartz has a great defense in Cleveland because he's got great players as well and it's I think it's you could line up in man coverage and play cover one every single snap because all of your cornerbacks will cover opposing teams, receivers in one-on coverage, then brilliant. That's, of course, how everyone wants to play. But there's better wide receivers than cornerbacks in the league. There's better running backs and linebackers in, in, in coverage in the league. And there's better receiving tight ends than coverage safeties. Because if you're the elite athlete, most of the time they stick you on the offensive side of the ball. So I think you just have to understand that defences are playing from like behind and you almost have to accept that doesn't matter how good fan gear is this defense needs talent for it to work um so yeah that's like my long-winded answer of am i excited yes but still sort of let's all calm down a little bit i feel like we're split into two camps of one i hate this high or two we're saved and i think the reality is probably a little bit more in the middle
1: yeah okay well uh you're close enough to excited that uh i i'll i'll take it so i don't have to try to convince you for the le- rest of the episode so let's get into. Uh, what are the tent poles of the Fangio system or the pillars, if you will? What is this built on? And I think there's three basic uh tent poles. Uh, the first one is that you will be too high shell almost every snap pre-snap. Like pre-snap, everything will always look the same. Um and there's a lot of we'll get into personnel in a minute, but there's a lot of talk about linebackers in this system safeties are what makes this system go safeties are weaponized in this defense to attack the offense by changing the picture. Um, this is really important against under center play action. You think about the good offenses in the NFL, you've got the Shanahan offense, you know, you got the chiefs, a lot of motion play action under center. You think about the Rams, you think about uh, the Packers, you think about, uh, the dolphins. It's lots of play action, lots of motion. The reason this is so effective against those is when you're under center and you execute play action, your quarterback has to turn his back on the defense to execute the play fake. And so all of a sudden he turns around and the picture has changed. We're not in a too high world anymore. Um, it, it's the exact opposite of Sean McVay's famous uh, illusion of complexity. If you listen to Sean McVay talk about offense, he talks about how his offense has the illusion of complexity that he really only calls like 15 plays, but all the window dressing on those plays and the different formations they can run them from, it looks really complicated and it makes the defense think a lot, but really it's the same couple few uh, core concepts. Uh, The Fangio system is the exact opposite of that. It's the illusion of simplicity. It all looks the same pre-snap. It looks simple. And then you turn around from your play fake and the picture is totally changed. Now, one thing that is important to note in that is when you're going to live in a too-high world pre-snap, even if you're rotating a safety down late, you are still in a light box. And so uh, it plays into the second point a bit that your interior defensive linemen need to eat double teams. You've got to make the math work because we are in light boxes. Safeties are key because they have to be able to trigger downhill in the running game. And your interior defensive line needs to eat double teams. it's not so much 3-4. I've heard a lot of talk about 3-4. Uh, base 3-4 has fallen out of favor in the NFL in favor of nickel packages. Uh, Fangio did used to run a traditional 3-4, and he did run it in Miami this year on 18% of the snaps, which is the 12th highest rate in the league. But you're not going to see the Eagles putting four linebackers on the field hardly ever. His preferred package in Miami this year uh, was a 2-4-5. So which two linemen, four linebackers, five defensive backs Uh, but the way he plays it out is more like a four two five so for example for the eagles uh, the eagles would probably use more of a three three five look because it's going to be like jordan davis uh uh, jalen carter Hassan reddick and josh sweat as your linemen and then you would have two two linebackers behind them so it looks like a four two five it's really two four five personnel Uh, He ran that on 63% of their snaps this season in Miami, which ranked first in the league. In it, again, basically outside linebackers are the edge rushers, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, and your interior defensive linemen are trying to eat double teams to give the edge rushers room to work, to make the math work in the running game. Uh, He will run 3-3-5, which again is three down linemen, three linebackers, uh, five defensive backs, and that's his penny look which it looks like there's five guys on the line of scrimmage with one linebacker. He backed off of that this season in Miami. Uh, he only ran it on 8% of his snaps, but it is a look that he will deploy. So two high pre-snap interior defensive linemen are eating double teams. And then we get into the coverage aspect of it. Fangio runs a tremendous amount of match zone coverage. Uh, now this isn't spot drop zone coverage. Uh, it's not, you know, you play Madden and you call cover three and the deep zone cornerback drops into a deep zone. Even if there's no receivers there, that's spot dropping. You're dropping to a landmark. Fangio very rarely has guys do that. This is match coverage. And this is where it gets complicated. They, they, they drop to a zone depth and then they pattern match based on the route combinations, the receivers run, they react based on these coverage rules. And we'll get into a little bit of what that what some of those basic rules are in this episode and we'll get more in depth later in the summer. Uh but the plus side to this is that it it limits the amount of players just covering grass, right? You play Madden. Everybody in Madden runs uh flood concept to one side of the field. We've got a we're running off the deep zone. We've got a guy underneath to pull down the shallow zone and we throw a corner route behind it. That's like 90% of Madden offense and everything goes to one side because then you've got all of the zone defenders on the other side of the field just guarding grass. Fangio's defense eliminates that uh, to a large extent. So uh, those are kind of the three tent poles. Too high high pre-snap, everything looks the same, illusion of simplicity. Interior defensive line eats double teams to make the math work in the running game. And a lot of pattern matching zone coverage. Uh, So Johnny, what did I miss as I kind of give the overview there? Um, What did I leave out?
2: No, that's perfect. Um, just a few points going sort of back and forth on those is uh, I think they actually play a lot more single high than people think. I think some sort of charts that track things like um, CS data that we use, I think they quite often look at pre-snap looks. I think Sanjo plays a lot of single high. Um, he plays a lot of cover three. He plays a lot of cover nine. He plays a lot of sort of cover uh, cover one variations. Um, a lot of fire zone as well, where you have three uh, deep, free under. The thing is, is that a lot of, Quarterback, well, I mean, all quarterbacks—they read the safeties a lot of the time, and that's the idea of just making everything look the same. So it's really hard to run a call like to attack single-high coverage if you don't see it until it's uh, basically too late, because uh, quarterbacks want to know what they're doing as quick as they possibly can. So, as you mentioned, it's it's really interesting because you can't have everything in NFL. Like you can't be plus one in the box, then be plus one in coverage at the same time. That's basically what the Fangio defense tries to do in some ways. It tries to have like the best of both worlds. there is no doubt and i like the fans' defense and if you go and look at statistics and i don't have these ahead of me because i'm not as good as you at stats but i know that they rank very low uh, year in year out on like tackles for loss on plays in the backfield uh, the way the defensive line is basically they're almost like killing time for one of the, for both of the safeties to get downhill and it's not about blowing up a run in the backfield and we know what this looks like you will see some first and 10 runs 4 yards second and 6 runs 5 yards third and 1 3 yards and you go uh, it is like part of it. And I think we have to be realistic about that, that that it doesn't mean Fanjo's defense is terrible against the run in general, but there is a little bit of that. Um, and it's just natural. It's, it's just natural when you play two deep safeties. I think the other thing is, is I'll, I'll stick with the match zone coverage because it's similar it's all about communication and this is where it all comes down to teaching like I don't really care how someone draws it up on a on a whiteboard and I talk a lot about that like we can sound very technical and we can talk about free sight, and we will in the summer we can talk about box and we can talk about triangle coverages and at the end of the day every defensive coordinator causes something different anyway which is why people get confused and I think the average fan needs to really not worry about some of these terms like sometimes we don't know anyway and we know everything we think we do about a certain defense and then you'll be like did they really do that did they, why did they run it that way? And we don't know, because sometimes players make bad calls. I think miscommunication is vital, which leads me back to one point. Actually, I would mention, um, I could have mentioned this actually in the previous bit and probably not in this bit. But I think one of the issues that defense has is that injuries are a big problem. I think injuries, rookies, new players, players coming in and out mid-season, players suffering bad injuries is a real issue in this defense. I think if you play more of a generic um, I always use Jim Schwartz as the example, but let's just say a generic plus one in the box, single high, a lot of cover one, a lot of cover three, um, a lot of man coverage, basically. You can deal with injuries easier because it's like, right, well, you're an outside cornerback, just go out there and you're going to play man 60% of the time, it's fine. In this defense, it's not like that. And if you play with people, if you play with others that you're not used to, I think it can be a real problem. So I think injuries are a big issue um with this defense as well and the last thing i mentioned just on your second thing about like the base three four being out of fashion yeah i'll be honest i hate the terms three four these days like I, I the way you'll see me write about it is i called them just four man fronts uh, and five man fronts like quite simply and i know it's very basic but there's so many words like people called a five man front like it could be a bear front it could be a a tight front. It could be lots of other things. I normally just call it a five-man front or a four-man front. Basically, how many guys are relying on the line of scrimmage with their hands in the dirt? Or at least standing on the line of scrimmage? Because even if they drop back in coverage, as we saw last year, it's harder to get in coverage from that position. So I'm still going to call it a five-man front. Um, and I think that's how I personally view it. But I think that does have an impact as well on coverage. If you're playing more five-man fronts, I think the reason why he done it last year less is because I think the league is moving away from five-man fronts at the moment because gap scheme runs are back in in her in favour. There's a lot of duo being run basically to target these five-man fronts. Um, so I think the league in general is moving back towards more of a four-man front look. Um, and I think Fangio is sort of part of that. I think people try, like to try and put fans around the box and other oh, defense is always passive and it's not too, it's not, um, you will have safeties rotating downhill, but at the end of the day, they're going to start from a too high safety. Look, they are going to get downhill slower. Like that is pretty much just a fact. You're not going to get many plays where a safety blows up in the line of scrimmage, like three yards deep. Like we saw, I mean, how many times have we watched Malcolm Jenkins do that under Jim Schwartz like five years ago, Ma- Malcolm Jenkins was like a, a hybrid linebacker. You'd see him in the box and he burst through the line of scrimmage that you just won't, you won't see that very often. Yeah, like, I look it's not the players' fault. It's just not the way it's done.
1: Yeah, the uh they were tw- the Dolphins were twentieth in tackles for loss as a team this season. So um that's a good point that you raise. Uh you're not gonna get a lot of those tackles for loss. Um there's an old football adage that says uh cornerbacks lie, but safeties tell the truth. And so as a quarterback, you're taught not to read the corners, you read the safeties because the safeties will tell you what you need to know about a play. But in the Fangio system, that's not necessarily true. The the he's trying to mess with that. Like that's day one. If you're a high school quarterback being taught to read a defense, you're taught to look at the safeties. That's where you start, and, and it's trying to mess with that. There was a beautiful rep. I, I did not pull this clip, and I should have. Uh, of course, they lost this game, but uh, in the playoffs, where the Dolphins started too high, and then they rotated but it was a different guys too high. Like the right safety became the left split field safety and the slot cornerback became the right split field safety. Just, he will throw crazy things out like that uh, to try to mess with you. So um, a few, there's a couple, there's some myths out there about the Fangio system and you hit on some of them a little bit. One is that it's just soft zone coverage. Um, Miami ranked 16th in man coverage rate this year and 18th in zone coverage rate. So they're about league average. in terms of calling man and zone for what that's worth with charting services, because they don't know the calls for sure. Uh, But up here on the screen, um, if you're listening, I'll tweet this later, but it shows the coverage rates of different coverages in the NFL this season. And I've highlighted the dolphins. Uh, Their top coverage was cover three, which they ran at 34.9%. So again, we're talking about split field safety looks, but they're, highest coverage rate was a single high zone coverage that they ran slightly below league average. Uh, then they ran cover six at twenty point seven percent. We'll get into what that is, uh which is the second highest rate in the league. They ran cover one at 17.5%, which was two percent below league average. They ran quarters at 13.5%, which was two percent below league average. Uh they do not run cover two or cover two man hardly at all. And then they ran cover zero six and a half percent of the time, which was the fourth highest rate in the league. And so people say that it's it's soft zone coverage. Um, That's not necessarily true. They also say he doesn't blitz, and that's not true. He blitzed on 31.2% of opponent dropbacks in 2022. League average was 31.2%. He was exactly league average in terms of blitz rate, Uh, his sim pressure rate was 36.9%. That was the highest rate in the NFL. So you're going to see linebackers up on the line bailing into coverage. You'll see some cover zero fourth highest rate in the league. Um, I was telling Johnny off air that if you look at the, like the coverage profiles, the the defense in the NFL that Fangio is most closely aligned with in terms of uh frequency is the Baltimore Ravens who had one of the highest or had one of the best defenses in the league and their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald just got hired by the Seahawks as the head coach and their defensive backs coach Denard Wilson just got hired as an offensive coordinator for or defensive coordinator for, I think it was the Titans. Um, that would be quite a leak defensive backs coach to offensive coordinator, but the, the Fangio system The McDonald's, everybody loves Mike McDonald and everybody's tired of the Fangio system. They were running like the same things this year. Um, And so I I just think there's a lot of hate for the Fangio system because that's what Sean Desai's system was called. It's what Jonathan Gannon's system was called. It's not the same thing.
2: Um, Shane, just quickly, because when you showed those numbers, what stands out to me as well is that people aren't going to like, can you bring up the numbers uh, quickly as well? because um, you mentioned the Ravens, but actually the other team that stands out massively is the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and Brandon Staley could not call a good defense. And he, and he could at times uh, previously to becoming a head coach. And I wonder how much he was able to teach the scheme properly. Um, but Brandon Staley's problem was like really simple. And they could not stop the run. Like football is a funny sport where you don't want to give up explosive plays. And I get that. But there is a worry that you can get too obsessed and sometimes you can't stop the run. And I think the Eagles, I mean, we're going to talk about linebacker a, a little bit, but they're going to have to prioritise guys that can stop the run from light like boxes, because you don't want to end up. Uh, the numbers are striking. When you look at the cover six, it's significantly um, obvious that it's the Dolphins and the uh, Chargers. Um, it's also interesting that they're quite different to the Eagles, considering people just assume that we're like the exact same. Um, and I don't know if you have this. So I'm putting you on the spot. And if not, I'm going to bring it up. Do you happen to have that same graph, but not the coverages? Because it's from Cody Alexander, by the way, match quarters. If you're not subscribing to match quarters and you love defense, then what are you doing? Because he's brilliant. Um, but I think I have it. But do you have the blitz and stunt and stunt rates from Cody Alexander as well? Um, Just out of interest.
1: I had those up earlier. I don't, I'll pull it up again real fast.
2: Um, because what basically what I was going to say was what's interesting is I, I'm, I believe, and this is great podcasting. I'm talking like at, off air. Is I think this is where they were slightly different from the um, Chargers, um, and really different to the Cardinals, which is interesting because Gallon's meant to run it. So I don't know if you have um, those numbers anywhere. I'm moment of frantically um, scrolling through Cody Alexander's, um, yeah, for, but for he, has some a, he has a really nice one.
1: Loading of, for me. Um,
2: no it's fine i i'll get back to it but he has a really nice one on like sim pressure um and we're going to talk about sim pressure and stuff um but it's really interesting that like that is an area where i think uh, and i'll be honest i do take umbridge one thing you said about fanzio's blitz rate is i struggle a lot to talk about blitz rate. the reason why is because i think there's a lot of five-man pressures just because naturally they're in a five-man front and i don't necessarily call that a blitz um and I know technically you sort of have to call it a blitz because it is a blitz or something, five men, but that's not really how I um, view it. I don't really see like if you're, if you, if you're in penny front and all five go after quarterback, I don't necessarily look at that as a, um, as a blitz, but I can understand why charting sat sites have to chart it like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, that that is worth mentioning. Um Is there anything else? I know you've got a few other myths. Was there any other myths that we've sort of missed out that you feel like uh, you've seen a lot online of late or people talking about it that um, is maybe unfair for Fangio? Uh,
1: No, those those are the main two um, that I have looked at. Um, I found the graph, but I cannot get my computer to pull it up just fantastic podcasting here and technical difficulties <laughs> wow
2: we are flying now uh, but uh, this is all my fault this is what i do i have a fault that i don't put into a podcast and as we're podcasting i'm like i wonder what their numbers are like uh compared to the uh compared to the uh charges. just because i know their numbers are very similar and i know that they're not the same for sim pressures and there is a lovely chart from Cody Alexander. i, I just messaged I it to you on
1: twitter if you want to pull it up and share your screen i can put it in here my I literally can't load an internet page. I don't even know how we're still podcasting right now. So,
2: (laughs) Oh, this is brilliant. Um, Right. uh, Let's not bother about putting on the screen, but let me just give you uh, the sim pressure one is the one that stands out. This is it. I knew it. This is the one that I'm after. Uh, The Chargers sim pressure is 14%. The Dolphins sim pressure is 36.9%. And the league average is 15%. So although the coverages that Brandon Staley teaches, when you look at the graph you showed earlier, it's very easy to go, oh my goodness, they're identical and blitz rates, by the way, 28%, 27%, they're very they're very similar. In <laughs> um, It doesn't mean they're the same. Their stunt rates are, are almost similar. I think the one that really stood out for me, and that's why I wanted to show it, um, it's the simulated pressure. Um, that was the highest rate at the league, 36.9%. And it's significantly the highest uh, rate in the league. And the Ravens are in the top five at 27%. The Rams were there at 32%. The Cardinals, funny enough. Jonathan Gallon looks more similar in that sense. Um, but I think that's worth mentioning because that's where I think they're different from Brandon Staley. I think Brandon Staley is a passive. I think he has a problem with being too... Um, basically anti-run and i sort of count simulated pressures in that because a lot of blitzes can be run blitzes as well um like that's why fire zones are great against runs as well because if you run a fire zone blitz you essentially get five man pressure so if it's a running play brilliant as well i think we always talk about this these things from a pass coverage point of view um but essentially simulated pressures for everyone this thing is just rushing for it's just not the four original alignment um so get ready for some dropping edges everyone's favorite thing um but um I think that's where they stand out. I think Brandon Staley has really struggled um, as a head coach, and I think he's struggled because basically they're just incredibly passive and their defensive rankings have been atrocious basically every year he's been there. Some of that is players, um, but I do think that simulated pressure, that aggressiveness is where Fangio is different to Staley. And I wanted to mention that just because I feel like Staley and Fangio get thrown under the same breath, and I think Fangio has proven to be better over time, quite obviously, when Staley hasn't got Aaron Donald. Uh, It's not the same.
1: Absolutely. So, all right, that gets us through our major myths of the system. We're going to throw it to a quick break and then we'll come back and talk personnel and coverages back right after this.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team.
1: And we are back here on the Shane page talking about the Vic Fangio defense. So we're going to briefly touch on what sort of personnel is important uh, and then we'll get into some plays. So uh, first, let's just start in the trenches, interior defensive linemen. um, What Vic Fangio wants are versatile players who can clog gaps. They can attack and then react. Uh, The main goal of your interior defensive line is to spill runs to the outside where you've got safety coming downhill in a run fit you've got a nickel corner you've got an outside cornerback that's a force player in the run game uh this is like jalen carter and jordan davis bread and butter they did this a ton at georgia so it's a perfect fit there uh at edge defenders you want the versatility to rush the passer and to drop into coverage so i mean you're gonna see Hassan reddick dropping into coverage some you're gonna see josh sweat Dropping into coverage some uh, for the dolphins this year. Andrew van Ginkle was that guy. He dropped into coverage on 31 and percent of his pass rushing snaps. He was actually good at it though. Uh, so, you know, hopefully you'll see just some coaching up there, but you will see some edge defenders drop out at times. They also need to be active um, as edge setters in the running game, because again, you're trying to spill those runs out to them. Uh, linebackers are usually going to be kept clean by double teams up front in the system. And so linebackers are asked to play fast. Uh, You need athleticism, especially to be able to cover running backs out of the backfield because your linebackers will end up in what amounts to man coverage out of quarters and cover six, uh, matching a running back out of the backfield. Nekobe Dean, if he can stay healthy, would be a great fit for this. Uh, he is almost an identical match for David Long physically, who was a really good high-level run defender for our Miami this season. These are their spider charts. Uh, N'Kobe Dean's on the left. David Long is on the right. Like, he, uh, David Long has a hand size measurement that's pretty big, and N'Kobe Dean doesn't have that. Outside of that, like, in terms of wingspan, arm length, height, weight, like, they are the exact same physical profile. And so I'm really interested to see um, it, what N'Kobe Dean can be if he can stay healthy, which has obviously been a th- big thing. Uh, so David Long, I mentioned, was a really good run defender. Uh, he also generated 23 pressures on 88 pass rush snaps for Miami. So again, Nicobe Dean, uh, he plays fast, and he was a good blitzer in college. So if he can stay healthy, he would be interesting. Uh, His running mate, David Longs, was Jerome Baker, a guy who could be a candidate to follow Fangio to Philadelphia. So, N'Kobe Dean, Jerome Baker could be an interesting linebacker duo. Uh, When you talk about cornerbacks, you can hide corners in the Fangio scheme. Now, in cover four looks, there's a chance you're going to end up one-on-one against a receiver with no help. But in your cover six looks, you can put a weaker corner on the cover two side of that. Uh, to press and then drop into the flat. And you can sort of hide a weaker cornerback. And so it doesn't necessarily put the stress on cornerbacks that the Eagles did playing their man coverage-heavy approach. Uh, But safety is what is vital to the Fangio scheme. Uh, Sean Syed, who is a great follow on Twitter, uh, he said that safeties are the queens on Vic Fangio's chessboard. Like, it's the most important thing. He asks his safeties to have the range to fit the run from depth. You need to be able to rotate into single high and play center field. And you both have to be able to do that because if the rotation always goes the same way, that's a tell. Uh, you have to be able to be the whole player who picks up crossing routes and runs with them from slot receivers, etc. So safeties are highly important in the Fangio system.
2: Um, you pretty much nailed that, which is awesome. Um, The only thing I wanted to add is you hit the safety perfectly. And I'll be very, very quick. I agree with you on corner. I mean, like we said before, you can't hide any position to an extent, like every position matters, but you're not going to get good at every position. I think safety and nickel. I think nickel is huge um, in this defense. And I think I'm very worried about Maddox um, based on what we saw last year. And I think the injuries have been quite consistent. I think the one area that they really, really, really need to attack um, uh, could be the nickel position and the safety position. And I think the good thing about corners is the two young guys they got in, Ricks and Ringo, I think actually this defence can lend itself quite nicely to press coverage as well because there's a lot of squat technique. Um, if you've got safety health over the top, you can play like quite aggressively at the line of scrimmage. Um, but I worry about a nickel. I think just losing forward, I would keep a real big eye on who they are looking as their nickels. I think that's going to be a very important uh, system. You don't just sort of carry the flats. You, you might have to pick up a man. You have to, uh, you have to sort of potentially carry someone deep as well, depending on uh, what the offense uh, is playing. I think you just have to do quite a lot in run fits as well, because quite often, as we mentioned, two safeties being deep, it can drag your uh, nickel into the box quite a lot. And I think if you remember, um, Jonathan Gannon's defense, on Maddox was really strong. In the, in, in the run game as well. I think in the perfect world, you almost want like a nickel safety hybrid that you could always do with like three types. And Maddox fits that when he's healthy. Um, but I don't really think he's looked healthy or good for a little while now. So yeah, I want to just throw a nickel as a specific point in this defense. I think you're obviously involved in a nickel with all of the match coverages, whereas sometimes as an outside cornerback, it's a bit more easy. It's easier to learn. Um, so I think an experienced nickel um, could be a good idea this off season as well
1: yeah absolutely so okay uh let's dive in we're going to talk about a couple coverages that Fangio runs uh we're going to do this again pretty briefly here um and then we will come back to it with more over the summer so we're going to talk through uh quarters one check out of quarters uh cover six and then cover three match Uh, so just quickly
2: Shane just to explain for any listeners part of the reason because we could literally talk about cover four um, for two hours we could talk about just lot of quarters whether we, we could talk about quarters against uh, 11 personnel 12 personnel 21 personnel sort of uh, empty uh, there's different checks for free by one there's different checks for bunches there's different checks for stacks there's different checks for two by two um even if the formation is the exact same you might run a different check because you don't want to run the same thing every time so you um there's lots of different things they can do so that's basically why we're running for a very basic system just so you get a rough idea of what you're going to see um I and mean, then if you are someone that wants to watch some bangio film hopefully this will help you uh, then be able to go and watch it yourself. Um, but yeah, in the summer, it's a big project of mine to really sort of really go in depth. And that will be some fun podcasting when we can really, really go in depth. But that will have to take like a whole episode on uh, a specific coverage. So this one's gonna be much more vague. It's not because we're lazy people. It's just because of the sheer amount of different <laughs> ways you can play these coverages is pretty insane.
1: Yes. And if you are listening on audio platforms, uh thank you for listening i would encourage you to go to youtube and skip to about the 43 minute mark which is where we're at now because this is simply going to translate better in a video platform we will talk through it to the best of our ability if you're unable to do that and you're only going to listen on audio uh, just know this will be easier to follow if you can see what we're looking at so up first we have we're going to talk about quarters How quarters plays out against a two by two formation. So again, two by two, we've got two receivers on each side, and typically you're always going to have a running back in the backfield. But when you have two receivers on either side, uh, the basic coverage rules: your outside cornerback takes the number one receiver if he goes deep, and we're numbering from the outside in. Uh, The safety takes the number two receiver. If he goes deep. Now, what happens if they don't go deep? Typically, you drop into a, a half field zone or a quarter field zone. And, and what that practically plays out as, if your number one receiver goes deep and your number two receiver does not, then your cornerback is on number one and he's got safety help over the top. But you are on an island potentially if both of those guys go deep. Uh and so then you have the same thing to the left side of the field. And that leaves you with three receiver or three guys underneath Uh, those three guys that are underneath. uh, You have two quarter flat defenders, and then you have a hook zone. Uh, The quarter flat defenders job is to wall off the number two receiver. You want to make him run to the outside of you. Uh, So you usually will jam him, push him outside. And then you're reading the flat. If there's a flat route, if the running back comes out on a wheel route, if the running back releases to the flat, if somebody runs a drag all the way across the field, you're picking that up. and then the the hook zone over the middle, he's relating to the number three receiver. So he's just he's got eyes on him. So that's the basics. Um, I'm gonna click play here and we'll see this play out. Uh, one example of a play. So on this play, uh, this is a quarter's coverage for the Eagles. And so let's just look at the top of the field. We've got our corner is on number one. Our safety is on number two. Uh, same thing on this side, on the bottom side of the field. But you'll watch at the bottom of the field here. Uh, this is Sidney Brown in the slot. He is our quarter flat defender. And notice how he's going to jam the number two receiver and force him to the outside. He walls him off from the middle of the field at the snap. See? And we got the same thing at the top of the field. You're walling them outside. You're pushing them outside. And then you pass them off to the safety. And you turn around and get eyes back on the flat. That's just a real basic two-by-two two, uh, quarters coverage look. Uh, johnny anything you want to add on the two by two look yeah i
2: think if you just literally leave the screen as it is i think uh, that there are so many different checks and you have to remember that we know the rules to this which means offensive coordinators know the rules to this which is why sometimes fanjo defenses can get annoying when you've got like a slot for example let's say the seahawks put their best receiver in the slot here and he's against sydney brown and everyone goes what well why don't you move Darius Slay in that? Well, because it's not, it's very hard to teach Darius Slay like inside slot quarterback rules for every single check. This is sort of the point of the defense. It's hard. If you're playing cover one man, Darius Slay can go anywhere. Um, but if you're teaching people communication, if you're teaching rules, you might want two quarterbacks to stay on separate sides of the field all the time because you might want them to get used to communicating with the safety on that side of the field and with a nickel quarterback. And it, that's why you can sort of see just this one play how tricky it is. And that is why you occasionally get the horrible matchups. Uh, Jonathan Gannon could not deal with this in the Super Bowl when you've got sort of quads and uh trips formations that would basically just confuse the Eagles and they'd get Travis Kelsey on linebackers. He didn't want to want it just, it does get messy. It does get messy. There are a hundred of different calls like box, buster, palms, two read that we'll get into but the way I've always thought about the fanzio defense and this is basically in my in my opinion for the average fan who is watching the game who wants to know a little bit and see where things go wrong and why things go well. My fundamental thing is they should be plus one in coverage. And what I mean by that is if you draw, uh, showing like a box or a triangle or whatever around each, each uh, side of the screen, you will see that they are essentially, on these guys here, they should be three over two. That is the basic premise. And then at the top end, once again, they're three over two, which does mean that means they've got a deep safety, which means they're minus one in the box. Because remember what we said the whole time, you cannot be both. You cannot be both without twelve men. You are either going to you are going to be plus one or minus one somewhere. Fanjo philosophically wants to be plus one here. Jim Schwartz philosophically wants to be plus one in the box. I, get, I think against mobile quarterbacks, it also becomes more harder. Um, becomes more harder. It's great English uh, becomes more difficult because the quarterback obviously is an extra threat to carry the ball. But I think basically. When I was learning the Fangio defense, like in more depth about three years ago, the way I viewed it was I don't really care. I mean, now I uh, basically do this for a uh, sort of a, a, not a more of a hobby. It's essentially a, a second job for me now. So I do have to know it better than maybe the average fan does. Um, but essentially, just look at how they pass off those routes. That's, that's basically all I would say for, to an extent as they should be free over two. They have a million different ways of reading out, a million different ways of passing it off. You can get incredibly technical, and we will, but in a very simplistic term, those three defenders should pass off those two routes. And at the top of the screen, the other three defenders should pass off those two routes. And quite simply, if you do it correctly, it's incredibly good because you are going to outnumber the offense. And that also means you have great leverage because you know you've got defenders' help if it's man coverage you can run things like stacks and bunches and you can run things like it's even just simple slant flat everyone's played madder than run slant flat against man coverage because it's a natural pick rail and when you do it like this you don't get that because if you run inside and they pass it off properly and then the inside guys run outside well you can you can switch off you can banjo there's different things you can do all the time is my point um i always just think from a simplistic point of view the way i view that fan jerry you want to be plus one in coverage on both sides of the field and it's down to the defenders then to figure out doesn't matter how you read it doesn't matter what you call it it's down to them and you can see when you start watching more clips why communication is vital communication is the backbone of it you've got under calls if a guy's running under you need to shout it so the guy next to you hears it like it's really complex um but when it's done well it's so cool to watch because it just looks really good on the screen but for anyone out there who finds it a little bit complicated please don't worry just read it as three over two or four over three. It's not, when it's not when they run fire zone and stuff and five-man fronts. It's not that simple. But as a basic format, four-man front, quarters coverage, they will be plus one in coverage on both sides of the field. That's how I think about it.
1: Yes. Okay, so I'm going to teach you one check for quarters, and that's it for today. Uh, and that is, what do we do if it's a three-by-one set? If you're looking at the screen now, uh, this is the a Chiefs play. The Chiefs have three def- three receivers at the top of the field, one at the bottom. This is three by one. And so, if you track with our coverage rules from last time, we said our cornerback has the number one receiver if he goes vertical, and we said our safety has the number two receiver if he goes vertical. What happens if the number three receiver goes vertical? There's a couple ways you can handle handle this. Uh, the first way to handle this. Um, there's there's a check that says, um, basically the way it works is uh, our cornerback is going to take number one if he goes vertical. Our safety will take number three if he goes vertical, and then our flat corner or our quarter flat in this case it's a nickel corner takes number two uh, if and only if all three guys go vertical. So if all three go vertical, he will take the middle guy on his vertical release. If anybody doesn't go vertical of the three, then the nickel cornerback will stay in the flat and basically the outside corner and the safety distribute the two vertical routes outside in amongst themselves. That's one way you can handle this. It's not the best way though. The typical way that you will see it handled is called, I call it a special check. Uh, I've heard it called uh, tricks. I've heard it called poaching and, and the way it happens uh, is basically your offside safety now comes over and he's responsible for number three. If he goes vertical, uh, this is paired with what's called a, a Meg, which means man everywhere he goes at uh, your solo corner on the solo receiver side. He's in man coverage, no matter what, it doesn't matter if this guy runs a drag route, uh, he's in man coverage. And so if we roll it back forward to this clip and we watch it play out, the way you're going to see this happen is at the bottom of the screen, number 23 for the defense is in man coverage on this guy. Doesn't matter if he runs an out route, a drag, smoke screen, a vertical route. He is in man coverage. And then our three vertical responsibilities right here, right here. And then our safety is looking across the formation. You can already see the direction he's looking. Becomes real clear when we snap the ball. Uh, watch the safety is going to bail out and he's got eyes on number three if he goes vertical so he's turning right here the guy's coming towards him and he's going to pick him up and this is called that's a poach technique special check tricks Uh, you'll hear it referred to different ways by different people Uh, but that's the one check the most important check you need to know out of quarters is how to handle three by one that's your most common way to do it
2: yeah just quickly shane um the reason why that's so 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 important is because um That was basically like the offense from three, four years ago that teams were just killing defenses with crossing routes because the old cover one man coverage, like if you can't pick him up with a um, robber or whatever, or they run double crosses or things like post cross and stuff like they were killing teams like the old Sean McVay uh, style offenses. And by the way, if anyone that wants more of this, the good news is I do call it tricks. And I, I basically just go on Twitter. Go on search, type in at Johnny Page 9 and just put tricks into the search bar. You will find a lot and lot and lots of videos because I've been writing about the uh, the eagles for too long now and you will simply see um, a number of different trick schools. Like you will see it everywhere from the Gannon days. Um, uh, quite a lot of the time, you, I will have a, a, a quite a few examples over the past few years. Um, tricks is really cool. I really like it because it's really obvious to see as well. So when you get it, you're like, aha, I know what they're doing here, and we're all geeks at heart, and we all love knowing what they're doing and being like, yes, I've seen this. Um, Trixie is like a really easy one to spot. And it's a very simple thing, actually. And There are other ways you can do it. Um, but, yeah, I think that's probably the most basic one to talk about. if We're going to talk about checks.
1: And there has to be other ways to do it because if this is how you're going to do it every time, all the defense has to do is run number one and two on any vertical route and run number three on a corner route now you have a safety who's tremendously out leveraged having to try to cover a corner route. So again, that's one of those things. If you know for sure what call they're going to check to, it's so easy to beat. And that's why you have to have different calls in your arsenal. So, okay, let's do cover six. Now, uh, cover six is super easy uh, because cover six is cover four on one side, cover two on the other. You'll hear it referred to as quarter, quarter, half. Um, That's probably what I call it most frequently. Uh, Cover eight is cover six flipped where you play cover two to the passing strength and you play quarters to the weakness. Uh, But the way cover six operates, it's quarters to the passing strength, cover two to the passing weakness. It's really nice against an isolated star wide receiver, because if you think about running the special check or tricks, the way your mind probably goes is, well, I'm going to put CD lamb as the isolated receiver. And now he's one-on-one with a cornerback who has no help. Well, cover six is a great check against that because cover six gives help. Uh, It basically allows that that isolated receiver is going to be pressed and funneled to the sideline. And there's going to be safety help over the top while you play out your quarters rules on the other side of the field. So we can see this one play out here. This is actually a Darius Slay interception against the Panthers. Um, Now notice, this is the passing strength at the bottom of the screen because we have one, two, three guys on this side. We've only got two to the top of the screen. Just looking at it, you might think the top is the passing strength because there's two wide receivers, but it's not. It's splitting the field in half. We've got three receivers on the bottom, two on the top. So the bottom of the field plays quarters coverage. So you can watch this corner matches him vertical, matched vertically. But if you watch the snap of the ball, you've got the safety at the top of the screen. Number 23 is already bailing out of here into a cover two zone. And you'll see Darius Slay at the top of the screen just sits that middle route and he ends up getting the interception there. So that's just an example of cover six uh, and one way that it can play out. And again, cover eight is just cover six flipped and it's got some different strengths, but we will talk about those right now.
2: Yeah, I think that they're like the two to look out for because I do that a lot. And the beauty of this is, as we've mentioned throughout the whole podcast, it's, it's just so easy. It's not easy, but it's so simple to get into it from, from a two high safety look. Uh, I, we haven't really said this, which we should have said this at the start. The reason why you start with a two high safety look is because basically safeties can run downhill to move around and rotate. If you just picture a cover one look, it's basically impossible to rotate into these two high safety looks because your safety has to literally turn around and sprint backwards and there's so many problems with that so essentially the reason why you start from split safety is if you just think really basic and i always try and go to the basics which is what we sort of the whole point of this podcast is you can then move around into so many different coverages because you're already deep and you can't do that from single high and if you think about how easy it is i mean the thing about quarters um and cover six and cover eight is sometimes it's hard to know what it is because they might be in like cover six but you can't actually tell because the, like the way that the offense is played out ends up looking different but like most of the time you can tell but sometimes like you almost might think oh is it is it covered because maybe like the uh let's say it's called a quarter half and the outside cornerback actually hasn't dropped very deep because no one runs a deep route on his side you might it might look like almost like a cover two type thing at times you might think oh is it cover four or it can get confusing because it depends on what the offense does but that's why the split safety is so powerful because basically think about how easy it is to be a split safety if in terms of if you're going to then play quarter quarter half well one safety's got a slightly drop to the half side but he hasn't got to move much the other safety is basically there already um if you're the side that's playing the quarter side um so it's really easy to move around and it is much harder to disguise coverages when you don't have a split safety look, because you have players sprinting backwards or running backwards, and it's just harder. It's much harder to disguise uh, when you play split safety. Sorry, when you play single higher, which is why this has to be done out of a split safety look. Again, that's why you have to be minus one in the running game. It's it's a trade off, and that's what this defense is all about.
1: Yes. Okay. So let's get the last two coverages we're going to talk about are very closely related, and it's a fire zone coverage and cover three match so let's start with a fire zone coverage this is something johnny and i have talked about i think it was on twitter not on a podcast so uh, but we've talked about fire zone coverage it is basically when you rush five and then you play a three deep three underneath zone the way the rules work for this is your outside cornerback he will carry number one if he goes vertical similarly to in quarters if not he zones that third of the field he's in a deep zone so that's what your outside corners do then you have two players that are seam flat defenders it's a safety in your nickel and that basically means if number two runs vertical they take that and if not they're you know they're in the flat they're up the seam they're just kind of bonus zones and then your number your uh three rec hook over the middle, he's gonna relate to the number three receiver. And so quickly I'll show this play out. This is uh a rep of the Cardinals. Um now the Eagles aren't actually going to rush five here. Their fifth guy is gonna spy Kyler Murray, but this is still fire zone. And so at the bottom of the screen, we've got matchups at the top of the screen. If these guys go vertical, we're matching them. So if you watch here at the bottom of the screen, you'll see uh vertical route gets matched. Number two is on this guy. If he goes vertically, he breaks it off. And so he comes down into the flat, and you've got someone here at the safety to help pick it up. Kyler scrambles out and throws it away. So that's just an example of a fire zone coverage. Now, the reason I start with fire zone is because cover three match plays out very similarly because it uses the same principles of man coverage on the outside guys if they go vertically. You've got seam flats. The only difference is you have a bonus hook zone over the middle of the field. Uh, And typically the way that's going to play out is that uh, one of your guys will have the number three receiver. If he breaks out, the other one will have the number three receiver. If he breaks in and whichever one doesn't man up, that guy is now going to just Rob over the middle of the field. And so we'll show that one playing out again as well. Uh, here's a play of the Eagles doing this against the Vikings. And this one is also a Darius Slay interception. I didn't intentionally search for Darius Slay interceptions. It's just what I came up with. So you can see, you know, here at the top of the screen, uh, Darius Slay is at the top. He's got this guy. He's got number one. If he goes vertical, he's got number two, if he goes vertical and you'll see how they play out here, both guys go vertically. Right. And so they both get picked up and matched. And Slay's able to undercut that route. And so that's kind of the basics of cover three match coverage. Again, very similar to fire zone. Uh, in fact, Fangio defenses will sometimes refer to it as a fire zone with a bonus hook instead of calling it straight up cover three. Uh, but if you were charting that out, you would chart that as cover three match.
2: Yeah, and I think that's because um, shout out to probably the best defensive mind online. If you really want to get into the weeds, uh, Coach Vaz, um, I remember listening to some of his Fanjo stuff a couple of years ago, and basically the way Fanjo teaches cover three is based off fire zone, like you said. So cover three is almost like it's meant to be fire zone. You just get an extra guy as a hook defender, um, but like the way they teach it is the fire zone. And I imagine part of that is I don't know. I'm totally spitballing here. But because you have to play more five-man fronts, because you're minus one in the box, that probably means a lot of time, as we said, technically accounts counts as a blitz when you're rushing five. But actually, if you're rushing five and you're playing cover free behind it, it looks like a fire zone. But I think you can argue it's just f- cover free with a five-man rush, which I know is fire zone. But I think that's why they teach it the same way, because then it doesn't matter if you're rushing four or five you don't have to give the secondary even more responsibilities it's basically like just do the same thing we've just got one less guy in coverage and like everything it's a trade-off you heard us talking about how much we hated five rushing five last year and there's an argument that this year if it goes as badly i'll be saying the same thing because you do lose a man in coverage and the problem is it's harder to match because football is a game of maths and you lose a man basically so um the good news is that hopefully the the second they'll be better and they'll be better cope. So losing that man won't be an absolute disaster. Whereas last year, they rushed five and they were just completely dead and they were also predictable, which I do not think uh, they will be this year. Um, yeah, I must admit, we've, as always, we're going a little bit more deeper than we intended to, but I, I think that's pretty much it for me, Shane. I think that's a really good outlook um, on like the fan philosophy. And I think if this is uh, one of your first looks at fan I think this is really helpful. We We are going to get to the specifics later on because they are crazy amounts but just from a pure like scheduling though, i I really want to look at Kevin more because i'm really interested in that and by that by the time we've got through that it will be free agency draft so we will come back to this later on in the year um we will talk fans again because when we're looking at draft or we're looking at free agency we are going to be talking about this all the time because obviously we're going to be looking at adding players to this Eagles defense that fits this philosophy um but yeah i think that's pretty much all i've got um on the basics so uh I will will say the host duties and and finish us off with any other final points as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. I will say that one thing that's really cool about if you can become proficient in fire zone coverage, which means not asking Josh sweat to be one of your guys that's matching probably, but if you can become proficient in that, it gives you a lot of flexibility. Like is CD lamb killing you out of the slot. You can run fire zone rush four and use that extra person just to bracket CD lamb. Uh, Are you playing Kyler Murray and he's got four big scrambles so far you can run fire zone blitz four and have a spy. So it does sort of give you, if you can be sound in fire zone coverage principles, you can choose to rush four and do anything that you want to with that bonus defender. And I do think that's why Fangio links his cover three match to fire zone because it gives them that flexibility. So uh, I think that's interesting to look at, Uh, And again, you don't have to understand all of these, all of this terminology. Don't feel overwhelmed. Uh, If you guys have questions about things that you heard us talk about, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I did the BGN draft show for interior defensive linemen. And I kept talking about three techniques and four eyes. And I had somebody message me on Twitter and we DM would back and forth for 15 minutes yesterday, talking about what that all means. And uh, I love doing stuff like that. So if you guys are, feel lost after watching this, please reach out to me. Uh, I want to help people understand this stuff. Um, I, I think it's fun. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this primer on Vic Fangio. We will go deeper, like Johnny said, later in the year. Uh, but that's going to come down the road because we've got Kellen Moore to get through. We're going to get into free agency in the draft and all of those things. So if you enjoy the show, make sure you smash that subscribe button so you get all the shows on the BGN radio feed likes thumbs up on the youtube videos uh, helps get it out there for more people we really appreciate you guys for tuning in to this vic fangio primer we will catch you guys next week on another episode of on the shame page when we talk kellen Moore. so we will see you guys next week go birds